Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bigly Blast. The Cardinals have hired handfuls of head coaches in their 35-year history. Most of them have been failures, and their two big splashes, Buddy Ryan and Dennis Green, were abject disasters. They were used by Andy Reid before he took the Chiefs job, and Bruce Arians was a lucky break, a guy that should have been the head coach of the Bears, until the McCaskey family really ticked him off by asking him to conduct a fake press conference just to see how B would handle the media. Are you kidding me, baby? So the Cardinals are due for a lucky break, and whoever they select in 2023, let's hope the next guy has some staying power, someone that can instill real culture and provide real stability. Remember, the Cardinals have been in business for over 100 years. They have never had a head coach last longer than six. Meanwhile, the Steelers are not looking for a head coach for the 53rd time in the past 54 off seasons. Now, it shouldn't be this difficult in Arizona, which should be the ultimate destination city for a sport that takes place in fall and winter climates. But there are reasons why Arizona is seen as a potential graveyard, starting with the owner's heavy-handed involvement, an owner who happens to be an heir to a fortune, just like the owner of the Colts, Texans, and Broncos. Now, personally, I would still give the farm to Sean Payton because I think the Cardinals need a real impact coach to compete in the NFC West. I would be okay with Frank Reich, who has experience and can develop quarterbacks, and I would be okay and intrigued by Brian Flores, who reportedly interviews today. So don't be surprised if Flores has the job by this time tomorrow if he's willing to work for the team that happens to be mentioned in his lawsuit against the NFL. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. They've got two great locations, and you can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. It's funny, when you started talking about staying power in the Blast, Bick, about you know Cardinals coaches, and this popped up uh, in one of the questions that was posed to, to Michael Bidwell in his press conference after firing Cliff Kingsbury, and that, that point you brought up. In the Cardinals' vast history, they're one of the oldest franchises in the, in the league. They've never had a coach last more than six seasons. Ken Wisenhunt coached more games for the Cardinals than any other guy ever. How about that, <laughs> 96 right? 96 games. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury is in the top 10. Oh, man. 66 games coached. That shows yeah. you the lack of staying power that yes. they've had. Yes. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, the extreme example on the other side, they're never looking for a coach. Right, and, and it's not it's not necessarily fair to, to compare the Cardinals to the Steelers. Sure. But, it, but it's, just a, it's just a, wow, that's, that's kind of how you do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? And, and I think the Baltimore Ravens have kind of gotten close to what the Steelers do, but what the Steelers do is just it's insane what they do in terms of creating a culture and saying, we are not changing. Well, Mike Tomlin just finished up what year? 15? Yeah. He's never had a losing never season. Never had a losing season. That kind of makes the decisions easy for those uh, yeah. in, the, in the front office. Yeah, I know you're right about that. So Brian Flores comes in today, and again, there's, there's speculation that you would think that Brian Flores, um, who... You know, his departure from the Miami Dolphins was not only surprising, the things we learned afterwards about him being asked to tank games and tank seasons and refusing to and all that, 
it, it was kind of it, it was really kind of weird. And I, I remember wondering in real time that, wow, this guy is is gee, we didn't predict that, by the way. Did we, Vinny? Um, sorry. Inside Joe. What, Stephen A. Smith yeah, showing up yeah. on first take with a cowboy, cowboy hat, hat on and, cigar, and his feet on the all desk? smug because the Cowboys lost. Oh. What juvenile, juvenile sports content that is. OK, let me get back to my point here. Um what was my point? The Cardinals and their head coach. Okay, so I, I look at this and I and I think, all right, and I'm serious about the NFC West. I do think you're going up against a real a core group of excellent head coaches, and you're going to need somebody who is going to be able to compete with that. And I was thinking about this last night. The reason why I would be so fine with signing off on Brian Flores is I really think the leadership element of this next hire is paramount to everything. I really do. And I think that is what Brian Flores' best thing is. Brian Flores is a very good defensive uh, tactician. He's very good at schematics. He's very good at game planning. But he's also very good at holding guys accountable. And some guys love him. Some guys don't like that. But I do think the situation calls for something like that. So I hope it goes well for the Cardinals today. I was starting to get into the D'Amico Ryans candidacy, particularly on Friday when J.J. Watt gave that really great endorsement for D'Amico Ryans um, and, and I thought oh is he giving a heads up to the Cardinals is he giving a heads up to the Texans um, D'Amico Ryans as most people know he had a phone or Zoom or an interview with the Cardinals on Saturday that thing has either been canceled or postponed or what um, so to me it's you've got a whole list of guys that the Cardinals have talked to not all of them have experience. Not all of them check the boxes. To me, it really comes down now to Brian Flores or Frank Reich because I think Sean Payton's off the table for him. Uh, I wonder where Dan Quinn fits into that, too. Kind of a late, late addition, a guy with head coaching experience, a guy who has that hard-nosed mentality, and a guy who, you know, after flaming out in Atlanta, has kind of risen his stock again. I, I, I think he might be a wild card in all of this. On the Brian Flores front, he is interviewing for the job today, according to Brooke Pryor, who also on Twitter put out a quote from a Steelers defensive end, Chris Wormley. Quote, if you see what we did from being 32nd in run D to top 10, he had a big part in that, talking about Flores. I think teams would love to have a guy like that. End quote. Last week, Steelers uh, rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett was on the Not Just Football podcast with his teammate Cam Hayward, and he talked about what Brian Flores who was a defensive coach uh, on the staff of, of Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh, what he did for Kenny Pickett as a rookie. Uh, listen to this. Early on, I was struggling the two-minute drill um, you know, against you guys all the time. I was always trying to hunt that big play instead of letting the big play kind of come to me as, as the drive would go. So I was, And I would talk to Coach Flores. Like Coach Flo was huge because he kind of really helped me with the two-minute drill along with Coach Sully and Coach Canada. Um, we just kind of had – I would talk to him after every single one. And he's like, you know, you're – you're going to need that one chunk play. And after you get that chunk play, you should be good to just take what they give you down into the red zone. And then you got to make that big time throw to, to make, you know, to score, hmm. uh, you know, getting that one big chunk play, that explosive, and then kind of taking what the defense gives us hmm. and then working on our red zone offense. Um, you know, that kind of mindset clicked with me. And then I, it, you know, kind of stuck with me as the season went. All right. So, uh, you know, that's a little, interesting. Uh, yeah. A little bit, a little tidbit of him working as, even as an assistant coach with, with a young quarterback. If Brian Flores were to become the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, obviously the relationship between he and Kyler Murray would be very important, a very important ingredient in the, in that mix. Um, OJ McDuffie, former Dolphin, covers the team now. He joined us last week. 
and kind of went down that road. Yeah, what about those questions? Can 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 a non-offensive coach? Uh, as a head coach, work well with Kyler Murray. Here's what O.J. McDuffie said on that front. Brian Flora, we talk about New England. He's, he's used to Tom Brady-type work ethic at, at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't put that in, he's, he's got a problem. You know, so if Kyler's willing to put that, that work in, uh, you know, coming early, leaving late, you know, being in that book, you know, I mean, look, it's not, it's no, you know, uh, it's not a mystery that Tua didn't know a lot of the playbook at times. I know he was young in the game, but how much work did he try to put in to, to, to get it memorized or to learn? It. If Kyler's willing to put that work in, I promise you that Brian Flores be on the side and giving him every opportunity to succeed. And a lot That's of people, a big if, Vinny. It is a big if. And I was just going to say <laughs> that the whole same time thing. I was going, yeah. There's a hey. lot of people that sum up the very near future for the Arizona Cardinals just to that, independent of who the head coach is. If Kyler Murray is willing to put the work in, dot, dot, dot. That's where it there, all lies. Okay, so let's let's back up because there are people to this day who watch Monty Ford's debut press conference in Arizona and said, oh, wow, did you see all those veiled shots at Kyler Murray? Everything for a lot of people gets seen through this prism that that the issue here is it, the first five issues in Arizona are all Kyler Murray. Some people feel that he's that much to blame and that responsible for all the weirdness we've seen here. If if that is the case, and, and to me, whether or not the Cardinals put that study clause in Kyler Murray's contract by accident in hope that nobody would see, or whether they put it in on purpose to purposely embarrass him, that would tell you that on some level there's a lot of concern about the quarterback's commitment to the game and learning it and spending time with it, whether that's fair or not. That's why I think that's why I think Michael Bidwell is going to be hell-bent on some guy who's going to be authoritative. Yep. Somebody who's gonna somebody who's gonna get in Kyler Murray's face and say, This isn't your show anymore, young man. This is what you're going to need to do. You want to play football. You want to start for this franchise. This is what you're going to do. You're not going to tell me to calm the bleep down. (laughs) Believe me, there have been people, more than one person who said there would have been, there would have been hands being thrown, Vinny, as the kids say. Yeah, that would have been a great look. <laughs> yeah, if if Kyler Murray would have tried that with Brian Flores. Wait a minute did the did the head coach just punch the quarterback? Wow! <laughs> Didn't he know he's wearing a helmet? You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, we're down to a field of four competing for the right to play in Super Bowl fifty seven here in the Valley. We'll fill you in on what happened over the weekend in the NFL playoffs next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. I didn't want to go back and see it. Uh, I didn't want to go get the x-rays or whatever it was. I wanted just to continue to play. Um, I told him I would do it at halftime. Um, but uh, Coach, I mean, in the best interest of me, uh, just made he made me go. That's Patrick Mahomes. A little rasp in the voice there. Yeah. <laughs> A slight grover. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Uh, talking about uh, what happened when he got taken down by Arden Key and Corey Peters in the uh, Jacksonville playoff game late in the first quarter. Uh, Nasty-looking play. Uh, a little bit surprised that he came back as quickly as he did. Played on it, then missed a series or two. Came back after halftime. You know, that thing got shot up. 
at halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes, you want to talk about a storyline that's going to be big going into AFC Championship Week? The condition of Patrick Mahomes' ankle will be at the top of that list. If he's not 100% or if he's affected by that ankle, I don't I don't know if Kansas City beats Cincinnati. No, I don't think they do. I don't I don't know if they beat Cincinnati with Patrick Mahomes. Again, I'm just I I'm seeing stuff in Joe Burrow that is just a just insanely next level. And, and again, Patrick Mahomes is right there as well. But I I, I mean you you watch this this last game Kansas City played against Jacksonville. I don't know who the defensive coordinator at Jacksonville is, but you might want to guard Travis Kelsey. You might want to cover him, maybe even double cover him. I don't know. Maybe I'm silly like that. Why? Otherwise, he gets 14 catches. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, I, I just I didn't understand what they were doing defensively at all. Patrick Mahomes got injured. He could barely move and they didn't even really blitz him. They they started to at one point they backed off and again I I didn't want Jacksonville to win because again I didn't want Jacksonville alive in in the championship round but whatever um, I, I I think that this this is going to be interesting because you can get through that game Patrick Mahomes could barely walk he got to halftime he obviously took a needle right in the ankle got through the game what's he going to be like this week I can guarantee you he probably will not practice one snap this week. Probably not. Not that he needs to. But but this Cincinnati thing, this game is going to be monstrous because I don't know how many times in a row Cincinnati has beaten Kansas City. It's a couple. It is. If if Joe Burrow goes in after beating Josh Allen in Buffalo, and if he goes in and beats Patrick Mahomes again, there's no debate as to who's the king of football. That is what's going to be on the line this coming weekend, regardless of what the health of Patrick Mahomes happens to be. Um, but this is uh, it's going to be interesting. It's this is this is going to be the battle of the two two premiers quarterbacks in football, and and I, I hope Patrick Mahomes is going to be good enough to get through it. I'm yep. sure I'm sure he'll try. I I would be stunned if he didn't. Play. Here was Adam Schefter yesterday on ESPN updating the uh, latest on the Mahomes injury. The X-rays initially were negative. He's having further imaging done today. He'll get that MRI. Most people believe it's going to be a high ankle sprain that he's going to try to play through next week. Short of that, Patrick Mahomes is going to be out there for the AFC Championship game, whether it's in Kansas City or Atlanta next week on that neutral site. We'll see where it is. But Patrick Mahomes is not going to be at full strength for next week. He wasn't yesterday. It was the first time in his NFL playoff career that he threw for under 200 yards in a postseason game, partly due to the time he missed, partly due to the fact that he was hobbled. But he's going to have more testing done today. Again, the thought is it'll be a high ankle sprain, and he is expected to play in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, uh, Joe Burrow, by the way, 3-0 and lifetime against Patrick Mahomes. All those games happening in the last calendar year. Wow, 3-0. Uh, the regular season beat uh, Kansas City on January 2nd, 2022, 34-31. Then the uh, championship game, 27-24. And then earlier this year in December, 27-24. Three wins, all by three points. Because that's what he kind of does, right? Yeah. Wins games at the end. Yeah, this is um, this is this is going to be interesting. And and I, when Patrick Mahomes injured himself yesterday, like I said, I thought it was fascinating just watching him do whatever it, it, he could do to stay in the football game um, to the point of absurdity. 
He was hopping around back there, and I thought, why are they leaving him in the game? And then Andy Reid finally took control of the situation and mm-hmm. sat him down, but it, it shows you... And then they showed him on the sideline how mad he was yeah. that he couldn't get back in. But, but the fact that they were even letting him continue to try to play through that when he clearly couldn't, I, I thought, this is this is what happens to football coaches with their starting quarterbacks. This is, you know, it, we, we spent all that time talking about Tua. There's, there's football players like that. It's hard to protect football players from themselves when uh-huh. you know you're a head coach and you're trying to win trying to win but it also when you have a history with a guy and you sort of like yeah. trust them to police themselves with their health but this but but you remember uh, Patrick Mahomes and remember the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay yeah, he got the stuffing knocked out of him in that game, and oh, he just kept getting doubt. up, and he was putting himself at risk. He's just that type of player. Well, the and even the year the I think it was the year the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Chad Henney came in. Remember that? Didn't he? And he didn't he run that game? He ran. A, he threw a fourth down pass. He couldn't mm-hmm. a fourth down conversion that basically saved their playoffs. So you you knew you had a capable backup in Chad Henney. I just I thought, wow, that's I can't believe they're letting him continue to play out there. Yeah. When you consider the teams that lost here in the divisional weekend series. Jacksonville, hey, good story. Uh, mm-hmm. First year under Doug Peterson, they get to the second weekend. Team of the on playoffs. the rise. Team on the rise, definitely. Trevor Lawrence's stock continues to go up. The Giants, again, first year head coach Brian Dayball. They got they got just destroyed in in Philly on Saturday night. But you know, good good year when you consider the other two teams that lost in Dallas and Buffalo. Just deep, deep disappointment. What what team do you think should be more disappointed? this week after losing in the second wow. round? Is it Buffalo or is it Dallas? Because for me, as much as I hate to say it, it's Buffalo. Dallas went on the road and played a, a better football team than they are, yeah. even with Brock Purdy at quarterback. I don't, yeah. I don't think the Cowboys have any reason to hang their head. I think Buffalo, with the performance they put out there offensively no. on their home field in the snow... Cincinnati's really good, but that's such a great point. Very disappointing performance by the Bills. That's such a great point because what you're going to see, because like I said, because of the juvenile content you get on all the hot take shows, you're they're going to make it seem like the Cowboys' failure was the biggest story of the weekend when it wasn't. It was for them, not for me. Yeah, not for other people that look look through a different lens. (laughs) Did it feel like something was a little bit off with Buffalo all year? I know they won a lot of games, but it never like felt like they really got in stride and were that great, great team no, that everyone I, was telling me was going gonna... I see. I disagree with that. I think they I started too. the season like that, but I, I think they caught fire. And you know what? You know what kind of ended it for them, Jared? Not having Von Miller, they couldn't get within the same. Uh, right. They couldn't get within the same zip code of Joe Burrow yesterday. Yeah, and when I mean. Buffalo lost back to back games to the Jets and and the Vikings to fall to six and three. And then they reeled off eight straight wins after that. They, so whatever was off, they fixed it pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Bick. But yeah, not having Von Miller, that defense just got pushed around. Yeah. They, the, the, the Bengals were able to run the football. A well-designed plays. I mean, yeah. the touchdown, they just showed the touchdown to Hurst. That was a beautifully designed play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, the Buffalo, I, I, not to interrupt you, but I, I think my takeaway was Buffalo is going to continue to do this until they get a big physical running game to a comp- company. I it's going to be the John Elway, Terrell Davis thing all over again. Yeah, they're going to go to that. Yeah. Yeah, because that extreme. Yeah, you lined up that defense and that secondary. Cincinnati secondary, they they get after you, man. They've got some ballers on that uh, on that side of the ball. They're just a bigger, more physical team, and it was. It, 
they didn't look they didn't look intimidated at all playing in Buffalo. Cincinnati, uh, Zach Taylor hired the same year as Cliff Kingsbury. Yep, Joe Burrow drafted the year after. Kyler Murray, number one. Zach Taylor had five victories, I believe, in his first year as head coach. He's got that many playoff victories now. In the last Thanks to years. Joe Burrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing what a good quarterback can do for your fortunes if you're head coach. Yep, coming up next, Sun somehow got another big win over the fully assembled Memphis Grizzlies. We'll get into it next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. won the game so that's the goal right so if you could if everybody could keep a 20 or 30 point lead they would but most teams make a run um i'm proud of the guys being able to withstand uh, the moment and the question was just asked you know a few weeks ago we probably wouldn't have won that game when we had a lead and so for us to come out with a win i think that's the positive that you take from it that is Monty Williams, the head coach of the Phoenix Suns, after a 112-110 win over the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, Grizzlies last night at Footprint Center. When you consider last Monday, Bick, yeah, the shorthanded Suns were in Memphis to play the Grizzlies on Martin Luther King Day. Yep. And they got absolutely drilled. They lost by 30 points Yep, in a second half where the Grizzlies took great joy in punishing the shorthanded Suns. That's just the weirdness of the NBA. A 30-point difference on Monday. Yeah. Last night, the Suns led by as many as 29 and held on for dear life at the end. A 59-point swing between two teams within two games well, in, in one week. It's yeah. just nuts. Listen, I, I think not only was it very uh, disorienting for for basketball fans here to see this basketball team performing the way they did, uh, to see them fall below 500 the way they did, all of that was kind of like very harsh for people to has this championship window shut on us effectively. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure morale was all that good. And, and I think that's one good thing the Suns have right now because you can you can cut apart these three wins and say what you want about them, but it is a three-game winning streak, and they have fought their way back to 500. And I thought last night, I remember at the beginning, at the very beginning of this basketball season, I remember I took solace in the way the Suns were were competing with a lot of fire, but kind of keeping quiet about it, that they were kind of competing hard on the down low uh-huh. a little bit. I kind of got that vibe from them last night, a basketball team that knew that the Grizzlies had clowned them a couple of times and just kind of threw a real effort at them last night, and it worked. And And I think Chris Paul had a lot to do with that, and I think that uh, – you know, it's just getting these guys back. I think has had a big impact. A big impact on Mikael Bridges. Maybe the struggles that they went through, as Monty Williams said during real time. Maybe it helped build guys' character. Maybe it helped kind of fashion guys like Josh Okogie into um, is Saban Lee into real sort of role bench players, niche players, if you will. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking for positives, but that was uh, that was an unexpected win last night yeah. by all accounts. Did not expect that to happen going into it. I thought the winning streak was coming to an end and then you start looking, hey, they bounce back against Charlotte Tuesday night. They didn't have that mindset. Monty Williams was asked after the game, hey, can a win like this or this stretch that you're in now, this three-game winning streak, can this be the, uh, the turning point of your season? Uh, I, you know, I don't want to get happy on the farm about all that stuff. I, I, I think you know Cam's got to get a, a rhythm. Last game he came back, he was lighting it up tonight. He couldn't buy one. I, I 
that's par for the course when you first get back. I think this group has to play together a bit more. You know, not to mention we didn't have DA tonight. You know, I think if we have DA, some of the finishing around the basket, and we probably get to the free throw line a bit more just because they were switching a lot, and he typically punishes those types of defenses. So I think once we get everybody playing together and then, you know, sooner or later we're going to add Book back to the mix, I think it just takes time to get a team rhythm. You got Saban out there playing with D. Lee and Ish, and that group, they've had about that much time together. So I think it takes us, it's going to take us a minute to find a team rhythm. Once we do, I think we can be pretty good. Yeah, on the Devin Booker front, since you know Book went out on Christmas night after you know re-aggravating that groin injury, played four minutes against the Nuggets. Two nights later, the Suns were in Memphis. They played the Grizzlies without Devin Booker. They beat them there. Yeah. They beat them again without Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. And, and people are looking at Memphis as a team that can maybe come out of the West and um, you know their their unlikability factor is is rising. But I said this before, and I, I truly believe this. Memphis, this might be an eye opener for the Memphis Grizzlies. Maybe to lose yeah. twice to the Suns in that fashion uh, in the span of, of less than a month, and to lose back to back message. games to the Lakers and then the Suns the yeah. way they did. And, and, that and, and by the way, them. the the way the Lakers beat them late with Dennis Schroeder making that play. You know, ripping the ball away from Desmond Bain. That was mm-hmm. a tough loss to, to end, loss to end a winning streak yeah. and then to follow it up with that. But, you know, enough about the Grizzlies. What I loved, one of the things I loved about last night's game was Chris Paul came back and played well. Uh, Torrey Craig was very good offensively, very efficient offensively. Mikel Bridges continued to, to improve as an offensive player. Um, Dario Saric was great. Outside of that, I mean, some of the guys that you would normally count on, Cam Johnson, Monty Williams said it in that soundbite, he was out of rhythm last night. He did not look, he was very good in his return against Brooklyn. Uh, they didn't get much offensively from, from Bismack Biombo. No. Josh Okoge took a step back. I thought struggled after he had a brilliant game against Indiana on mm-hmm. Saturday. Saban Lee didn't do much. Damian, uh, Damian Lee didn't do much. Ish Wainwright played only a handful of minutes. So there was a lot of guys that weren't contributing a lot. And they still got by Memphis because of the heavy lifting I, of the guys that yeah. did show up. I, I wonder how much of this is also the new owner is in the house effect that has on this basketball team. Well, they, they, are, know, they, they are undefeated since Matt well, Ishbia well, showed that's up. That's my point. And, and ever since he showed up, the team is like, okay, we have a new guy. He's here. It, it wasn't so abstract anymore. And I think yeah. that might have, I think that may, may have sharpened some people as well. And then again, I think if you look at Mikhail Bridges and, and, and people have crunched the numbers on this. So don't think I, I, I did this, although I could have done this. The first week of January, first seven games in January without Devin Booker and Chris Paul, Mikael Bridges, he wasn't doing enough offensively, and it led to a lot of conversations that, you know, is this fair that we're asking him to stretch offensively and be a defensive player of the year candidate? Because the latter has certainly suffered this year, mm-hmm. and the offense has kind of been spotty. Uh, during those first seven games in January, he averaged 12.5 shot attempts per game, which is not enough if they're asking you to be the centerpiece of the offense. Uh, Suns are 3-1 and one in the last four games. He's averaging nearly 24 points a game. 
on 19 yeah. shots attempts per game. Yeah. So he has ramped up his offense significantly. And over the last five, shooting 43% from three-point range with six assists per game, nearly 24 points. And oh, by the way, still contributing two steals per game. He's been and, fantastic. And and I think there's a boomerang effect to that because when McHale plays well and McHale is a part of what they do, he brings that vibe that makes everything better. Yes. And we talked, too, about the shift away from this reliance on Chris Paul. And we saw it in crunch time last night. Chris Paul was unable to get to the basketball a lot because Dylan Brooks was shadowing him. Uh, and, and, you know, how much flexibility do the Suns have? If Chris Paul couldn't bring the ball up, we saw it in the playoffs last year. New Orleans made it difficult. Dallas made it difficult. CP3 talked about that, that there's other guys now that can initiate the offense and how much he loves that. Kale been, Kale been amazing. As y'all already know, Kale lays him up every night, ready to go. Um, but the way he's played, you know, with all of us guys out, you know, I think it's going to help us in the long run because he's so much more comfortable handling the ball, making plays, and I just told him in the locker room it was fun, you know, getting off the ball and watching him create. Did you sense even more Yeah, and it's only going to get better. You know, I got to get used to it. He ain't been like that the whole the whole time I've been here, but <laughs> it's something that I know he put in a lot of work with over the summer. Uh, Cam Johnson, too. Cam got a rebound today, and he waved me off, and I, I love it. <laughs> I've been waiting for him to, to tell me that, and so uh, I think all the confidence that the guys are getting, it can only help us in the long run. You even have one possession, Bick, where Dario Sharich got a defensive rebound, started dribbling up court, and took it coast to coast. When was the last time you saw that? I'll tell you. Never. Never. It was beautiful. Never. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, yes, I, I agree with all of that. So, listen, the, one of the things that I took a lot of hope from is that is that maybe there is going to be a resurgence from Chris Paul. It's been a long time since he's played impact basketball. Yeah. He's had a lot of time off. He's He's been hurt. He's He's had a lot of inactivity. You never know, because if he can if he can tune it up, and if he gets back into a place where he can be close to the old CP3, then then this team's got a chance to 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 reach its goals. Yeah, and something too that Chris Paul talked about in that last soundbite about Mikel Bridges lacing him up every night. It's a given. The guy's never missed a game in his NBA career, and in a season like this where everybody's been out. Uh, and you got guys that are out to come back, they play a game, they go back out, and then there's this injury maintenance thing and sickness and all, on top of all of it, man, Mikel Bridges is the constant uh, that you can count on, and he deserves credit for that too, but man, he's playing great basketball right now. Suns got the uh, Charlotte Hornets tomorrow night looking for their fourth straight win. Coming up next, it's not all about finding a head coach for the Cardinals. Another item on the desk of new general manager Monty Austin Ford is to figure out what to do with your star wide receiver. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cam Johnson. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. DeAndre Hopkins, his future's been a little bit cloudy ever since the trade deadline. The teams were scurrying around, trying to trade from former general manager Steve Kahn. Obviously, did not do a deal, but still, it has led some teams to wonder, is one of the best receivers in the NFL available? My understanding is Monty Osborne, the new GM for the Arizona Cardinals, is going to sit down with Hopkins likely this week and plot out the future. Are they willing to explore a trade, or is he going to make sure that Hopkins is there for the 2023 season? 
if he will consider a trade, Mike, then first of all, one of the best receivers in the NFL is on the move. And two, the Cardinals may have to do a little rebuilding. Deanna Ravaport, NFL Network, with the uh, news over the weekend. Kind of something we've had our eye on is uh, DeAndre Hopkins' future with the Arizona Cardinals. Certainly, there's been uh, no shortage of speculation that DeAndre Hopkins could formally ask for a trade. And heck, that might come in this meeting with with Monty Asenfort, uh, the new general manager of the Cardinals. Uh, I, I sense there was some frustration DeAndre Hopkins had with the way things went down this year. Um, you know, there was uh, you know a, a, an on field blow up with, with Kyler Murray, if you want to call it a blow up. There was certainly a, a heated exchange at one point. Uh, on the Cardinals side of things, there had to be frustration all year long with the six-game suspension that the Cardinals said they were prepared for but never really were prepared for. Uh, I think there's some there's some baggage on both sides of this relationship right now. I'm real curious to see what comes out of said meeting between Austin Fort and Hopkins. Yeah, and and I don't I, I I don't know what could change because I don't think that this is organizational in nature. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins wants out because he thinks this organization is broken. I think he wants out because this roster is broken. And maybe yeah. he doesn't vibe with the quarterback. So, I, so uh, again, uh, if, if the Cardinals have plans to trade Kyler Murray that we don't know about, then, then maybe, you, maybe that would be a factor. So maybe if the new guy was thinking about trading Kyler Murray, maybe that would be something he'd mention to DeAndre Hopkins. But I, I think I think D Hop is has got sights on greener pastures, if you will. Look, DeAndre Hopkins is still, I think, in the prime of his career. Although he's you know above the age of thirty now, but. It, at a certain point, the greats want to win a Super Bowl. It's not about just stat padding. It's not just about Hall of Fame, although that's very important to DeAndre Hopkins. That became clear early on in the episodes of Hard Knocks. But, you know, is this team positioned to compete for a Super Bowl? You'd have to say no right now. A lot's got to change this offseason in terms of roster construction. And with a new architect in that front office, that could very well happen. I also found it interesting that Friday, uh, heading into the weekend, the Cardinals' official uh, Twitter account, Put out kind of a DeAndre Hopkins hype video. Did you see that? Uh, no, just said, I missed that. Just said one of one. That's all it says with uh, the the little purple devil emoji. But it's a, it's just a highlight video and and well put together highlight video of DeAndre Hopkins making all these great catches as a Cardinal. Wonder what that's about. <laughs> well, remind everybody. I don't know. The yeah. interesting thing will be in that meeting is Monty going in trying to convince D Hop to stay and saying, "Oh, you know, if you don't like the roster, I have this plan to do this and that and that." Is he going in with that mindset? I'm going to convince this guy to stay, or is he just going in just to sort of like hear him out on his side of it? And talk about it, and then figure out. Okay, this guy wants out. What can I if trade this is him happening, for? I would speculate there's going to be a little bit of exchange on both sides. Uh, now we know how the, the off season works in the NFL. Everybody's always trying to solve the puzzles of what team needs what. And the Baltimore Ravens out of the playoffs again. Lamar Jackson might not even be part of Baltimore's future. You know, the organization says they want him to be. Uh, but uh, Lamar Jackson um, didn't play at the end of the season. He's not under contract. He, you know that rookie deal is up. Some some people in the media connecting the dots and trying to connect DeAndre Hopkins to Lamar Jackson 
and the Baltimore Ravens. Among them, Bart Scott of ESPN yeah. on Get Up this morning. The Ravens have to recognize that they have to put the pieces around Lamar Jackson because I believe out of all the great quarterbacks there are in the league, I think Lamar Jackson is the most talented. He hasn't. He's the only one who hasn't had the opportunity to show it to everybody because they haven't put the pieces around him for him to show his arm talent. We know what he is as a runner. I think he can be just as good and dominant as a passer as well. Yeah, um, and also just flat out says, Hopkins, get him there to Baltimore for Lamar. Lamar Jackson is the most talented football player in the NFL. We haven't seen the tip of the iceberg. Get this man DeAndre Hopkins. Get him the weapons. And that's what the frustration comes from. He is the best, most talented football player I have ever seen on a football field. And he's being hamstrung because he's forced to play left-handed because you're forcing him to run the ball. Mm. And he's more than that. He's more sophisticated than that. If they guarantee him $250 million, can he get the pieces that you want? I mean, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has a quarter of a billion dollars. He got it. Well, like, just give DeAndre Hopkins on the end of a deal. Give him a guy. Give him a guy. This is, again, this is why to me, the idea that you would struggle to get a first-round draft pick for DeAndre Hopkins is infuriating to me because we know the difference a-level wide receivers can make on football teams. It's proven every single year. Look at Tyreek Hill in Miami. Tyreek Hill in Miami, A.J. Brown in Philly. There's there's one example after another, after another, after another. And, and, and now you've got a situation where there's many cities that are dying for that number one wide receiver to to sort of lift their quarterback. Justin Fields in Chicago, I've heard them, oh, we need, we a guy like DeAndre Hopkins is perfect for us. Baltimore, perfect for us. If, if DeAndre Hopkins is so perfect for so many teams, I think he can get more to second round draft pick for him. And on the flip side, can the Cardinals succeed offensively right. without that number one right. guy? How about it? The Baltimore example to me is, is is somewhat fascinating because you had a guy in Hollywood Brown who at the end of last year went to Baltimore and said, I want out. <laughs> this offense is not for me. He ends up in Arizona, teams up with DeAndre Hopkins. You got to wonder if, if this Baltimore rumors heat up. Is, is Hollywood Brown in the ear of, of DeAndre Hopkins? Look, that's not the offense for you either. I, I don't know. I mean, DeAndre well, they Hopkins. They did fire their offensive coordinator. They did. So, they so did. either they're bracing for Lamar Jackson to leave and they're not going to try to keep him, or they're going to try something different with him and try to get him some help that he needs try to schematically. Him. Yeah, or try to appease. This is either a, 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 a move to, to pave the way for life without him or it's a way to appease him. Yeah. And because look, I mean, if you're Lamar Jackson and you're Baltimore, you talk about, look at the frustration that Josh Allen in Buffalo was feeling trying to get on top of Cincinnati and Kansas City. Now try being Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. Well, if you look at the four teams that are still standing too in terms of what they have at wide receivers, there's some elite receiving course. I mean, you have Ayuk and, and Samuel San Francisco, uh, you've got Smith and Brown in, in Philadelphia. Cincinnati might have the deepest, the, the top three with uh, with Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. Fantastic. And Kansas City is a little bit different because they don't have the go-to number one receiver anymore. But Travis Kelsey is just an ultimate weapon. Yeah. I, can, can you get where you're going in today's well, NFL with without having that top flight number one clear-cut receiver? It's a, it's a great question. Um, but that would also mean that you've already got your number one top flight quarterback. So you've got, half, you've got more than half the equation solved if that's your issue. To me, 
that that has to be the one saving grace for the Arizona Cardinals. When you look at the AFC, all the young, great, transcendent quarterbacks over here, all the legends, the outgoing legends are over here in the NFC. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's true. It's a very interesting dynamic. We are less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57. Bud Light, FanDuel, and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text the word SUPER to 620-620. Register and listen for your name starting February 6th. You can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you'll win tickets to the FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. Once again, just text SUPER to 620-620. Get entered. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Coming up next, we hit the uh, 9 o'clock hour. We'll check out what's going on on social media. On Twitter with Social Studies, Sarah Cazell will take us through it straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.